Shumrabyug. Traditionally, you would do the intro now, Ben. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. 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 Very good, Benjamin. I am leaving that unedited for amusement's sake. Sure, look, Benjamin, even though you have been sacked from Twitter this week, we don't have time to be sitting around talking nonsense because we have to look at lots of stuff. <laughs> well, look, let's be honest. We're, it's bottom of the barrel stuff this week. There's very little going on. So rather than having a look at new stuff or news or events or stuff we've seen, Ben, we're going to have a look at the trailer for Magic Mike 3, The Last Dance. Very relevant I, to us. Michael. Very relevant okay. because, uh, yeah, big pop culture nudie men fans are we. Um, we've seen the first images of Indiana Jones 5, which looks like Indiana Jones cosplay. You've seen Inside Job <laughs> Season 2, Benjamin. Very yeah. exciting. I have finally seen The Legend of Vox Machina Season 1, which you say is excellent, and you talked about it in March, and I don't remember. And... Benjamin, two or three weeks late to even this party, I, I had enough time and nothing to do that I watched The School of Good and Evil, which I think we all were reviewed to, considering how much we mocked it. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't bizarrely enough uh, for a pop culture podcast, we're also going to be taking a look at AI, Michael. Yeah, what's it up to? What's it up to? And are we all out of a job as a result of what it's been up to? Uh, we're going to take a look at some of the famous examples of AI in fiction, Michael. Your pals. Yeah. Your bloody sunnies. You know, we're going to take a look at those, Michael. And we're going to see what's going on with them. And then we're going to decide, Michael, if you and I should pack it in and just create two little bots, uh, a Ben bot and a Mick bot. And yeah. Just let them do the podcast from now on. Oh, that'd be handy. That'd be handy. Is Sonny from um, iRobot? He is, yeah. Oh, very good. I couldn't place it there for a second. I got a bit confused, Benjamin. All right. I went for a deep cut, Michael, a deep 2001 cut. (laughs) Very good. Like these classic Converse runners. Benjamin. Yes. Speaking of feeling very confused, have you seen the trailer for Magic Mike 3, The Last Dance? Michael, it's not even a trailer. It's a teaser, Mike. Oh, it's a teaser. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's it's very very simple premise, Michael. Um, is, Why are we is, talking about Magic Mike? This is the, the, this is the cinematic moment we've all been waiting for, Michael. I wasn't even aware there was a Magic Mike two. I should point out. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I have don't know. If I've seen it. I don't. I don't know if I have. Um, but as it turns out, Mike. Uh, I'm calling you Mike specifically for this segment. Uh, very good. Yeah. As it turns out, Mike, this is your last dance. Oh no! Is that why? I, is that why you asked me to be in the nude for this segment? Yes, that's the particular reason that I. It, what? 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 It doesn't alarm me, Michael, or it shouldn't alarm me that I asked you to be nude. What should alarm the listeners is how quickly you were able to achieve that goal. Um, I would say that it was done. All of my clothing is tear away. Every single bit of clothing I own is tear away clothing. It was done with a commanding flourish of the hand and an unnerving. Lack of blinking from Michael. He just, yeah, yeah. He just went for it. It's my natural state, Benjamin. Benjamin. Yes. Is this, are we talking about Magic Mike 3 on the podcast because you feel that the Magic Mike franchise is about to turn a corner like the Fast and Furious franchise and suddenly yeah. be something that we have to cover? 
It's about to push through its muck phase and on. <laughs> get a, get on through to the other side. The Rock is going to be in it. Um, Vin Diesel will probably make an appearance and say, my pants. My pants. <laughs> for me, <laughs> for me yeah. yeah. Um, I'm assuming some characters will die and then come back two movies later. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I yeah. think I'm um, spoilers there. Sorry for the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, people don't die in the Fast and Furious franchise. They just take a small hiatus. Except Gal Gadot. Is Steve Calcadot gone? Gone. And in fairness, from the looks of things, her career could probably use it at this point. She she probably she might want to get in touch with the the familiar. Yeah, she's not doing much, she is she? Can, she's not doing a whole lot, Michael. Calcadot not doing a whole lot. That video during quarantine really tanked her. Uh, yeah, she shouldn't have done that. Benjamin, what's going on in Magic Mike Three? Well, Gal Gadot's in it, um, oh, she- for one. No, she's not. No, she's not. And that would have been excellent. That would have been very good. That would have been very good. Now, it was just a mini teaser, Michael, where a woman at a party with a grating American voice, I think that's the intention, she's supposed mm. to be a valley girl, Michael, I think. Oh, yeah. S- says, oh, my God, didn't you used to be a cop? And there's a whole thing there. Um, and then he goes, no, no, I wasn't a cop. And it's Channing Tatum's kind of lackadaisical charming man thing that he does he's like no no i wasn't a cop he does this whole thing and then um she's like i, I swear i've seen you somewhere before and the camera pans somebody channing tates no oh. he's, he's giving a little smile he's oh, giving yeah. a little smile because he knows where he, he knows where she's seen him in a cop uniform he was he dressed knows. as a sexy cop a sexy tearaway cop he was a sexy tearaway cop michael a very good and that's what he was doing that's what he was doing. Benjamin, there was a bit of controversy about that film, wasn't there? Wasn't there a lead, uh, a leading lady replacement at, at the last at the at the last moment? At the, at the finishing line, yeah. yeah. Um, Who's in it? Salma it, Hayek is Salma Hayek in it. Salma Hayek is not in Magic Mike. Is she not? <laughs> I'm gonna have to look this up now. I'm Are you no sure idea. she's not in it? I thought there was some sort of controversy about a leading lady being replaced. Um, lady. Yeah, go on. Look it up there. You look it up. Podcasters love listening. I've never, to... I've never typed the word "leading lady" <laughs> into the. Well, Benjamin, I'm from the twenties, um, and Magic Hayek is in Magic Mike. Benjamin, she's in Magic Mike's Last Dance. Out of here, she's in the new one. Yeah, and they fall in love or whatever. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen this trailer, Ben? Get out of here. I can't remember who she replaced, though. I think it's just Step Up 3 or something. Step Up 86. Maybe Magic Mike is, Michael, an extension of the the Fast and Furious franchise. Because Channing Tatum has been in dance movies since he was in diapers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she um, replaced uh, she replaced the actress formerly known as Tandy Newton and now known as Tandaway Newton. Was she in Magic Mike at some point? I don't think so, but she was going to be in, in this and then there was a controversy and they replaced her with Salma Hayek. Yeah, but didn't Tandy Newton go off the rails a bit? Tandaway or, Newton. Uh, Tandaway Newton, excuse me. Yeah. Um, Tandaway Newton um, had, a, had a very difficult time, Michael. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It doesn't say, I don't know why. Ben. We should really talk, stop talking. Benjamin! Yeah. Speaking of people who are too old to be taking their clothes off. Yeah, yeah, you. Um, yeah. yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Magic Mike himself. Yes, Magic Mike um, himself. Yeah, have you seen Benjamin some of the first looks for the exciting new film, Indiana Jones and the Really Should Be Retired? Michael, it fascinates me when we talk about the fact that there's an Indiana Jones with the original cast and crew. That's the funniest thing. 
it has to be. I don't know what it is with these older directors just going for it on dead sequels. We've got Jimmy C and Avatar 2. Yeah. The Way of Ishka. Ishka, yeah. Ishka and then, and then we've got now we've got Indiana Jones 5 and Stevie Spiels. Mm. Just just going for it. Just Benjamin, it's got focus. Harrison Ford who yeah. doesn't want to be in things anymore except he'll be in this for sure. some reason. Yeah. It's got your favourite Ben, Phoebe Waller Bridge. I do like Phoebe Waller Bridge. Benjamin, bloody we you put me on to what was it? What was she in? Fleabag? Fleabag. What Great a show, stuff. Michael. Great One show. One of the best Very shows of good. the last ten years. Absolutely fascinating stuff. Um and most important of all, from your point of view, it's got your good mate. Uh, now, how have you written this? Mads Mickelson. You haven't written it humorously, Ben. You've written it incorrectly, but not humorously. I'm just Mads wrong Mickelson. today, Michael. Has it got Boyd Holbrook in it? Yeah, Boyd Holbrook's there. Everybody yeah. loves Boyd Holbrook, Ben. He was in Wolverine. He was in um, that other thing, Sandman. He was in Sandman as the Corinthian, one of the yeah. greatest comic book characters of all time, Michael. And I tell you what, Go he on. did it well. He did, Benjamin. And, and Indiana Jones, Ben, he's fighting Nazis. Uh, sure, look, you need an El Nazi hunter. Uh, Shia LaBeouf not returning, interestingly. No, I think Shia LaBeouf Indi- has been replaced with um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge by the looks of things. That's good. It turns out Indiana has a jo- Indiana Jones has a daughter as well, and he likes her more, so he gave yeah. her the hat. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't work out with the previous fella. Um, yeah, it's always awkward, isn't it, when you do your big legacy character and it turns out he's no good and a bad egg. Benjamin, are you in any way excited by Indiana Jones fighting Nazis again, but this time in the late 60s? No. I mean, if I wanted to go out and fight Nazis, Michael, I'd just get a plane to America. Um, Very good. Take that, yeah. Benjamin. Um, no, I wouldn't fight take that. I think um, Gary Barlow <laughs> probably has a few good innings left in him, Michael, and you could probably take me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I reckon you'd probably take Mark Owen because he's only a little fella. Um, I could probably get him if if I if I had a run and start and the element of surprise, Michael. I could probably take the legs out from under Mark Owen you before he knew what Mark was Owen happening. Out. Yeah, yeah. But I'd be Howard afraid. Howard Orange, Howard Orange, get it? He, no, no problem. Um, but then I'd be afraid, Michael, that there'd be a Robbie Williams waiting in the wing moment where he'd enter the ring and then just <laughs> knock me. Um, You'd his, just be his... standing triumphantly over Mark Owen, and Mark Owen would hear on your left. And then a portal would open and Robbie Williams would step through, <laughs> drunk as fuck. He would say, on your left. And then yeah. he'd take a swing at me and he'd miss the first one, but he'd catch right. me on the backhand. Oh, yeah. back. mm. uh, um, that'd be good. I'd like to see this. This, this, is, on our new, this is our new podcast segment. Uh, who could take, take that? <laughs> yeah, who could take, take that? I reckon boys on to take them because Keith Duffy, I reckon, would have like a, a bit of chain or something on him. Keith yeah, Tuffy has a tire iron. He works in a garage. Yeah, he? He'd have a tire iron, yeah. yeah. And, and take, that, take that would think it's an honourable jewel and they'd be like, all right, lads, let's have it. And Keith Tuffy would take out his tire iron and go, I work in a garage and start hitting them. <laughs> that, would be his, that would be his famous wrestling line. I work in a garage. Yeah. Fucking what are um, we doing, Ben? What are we doing? What is this even? Benjamin, talk about Inside Job Season 2. What are we doing? Not excited for Indiana Jones five. Doesn't really matter. Um, you would Inside rather Jones see and- you would rather see take that fight boys own than watch Indiana Jones five. 
All right. What are we doing? Inside job. What's that? Our podcasting is over, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Benjamin, we are bad at filling. Look, let's be honest. Not a lot happened in the world of pop culture this week. There's no really interesting new trailers. We're we're trying to pad. We're padding for time. So we're just (laughs) talking about Take That versus Boyzone. This is the audio equivalent of, I actually think the most interesting segment we've had thus far is Take That versus Boyzone. Take That versus Boyzone. Yeah, for sure. Um, What is Inside um, Job? Anyway, Inside Job, Michael, had season two or part two on Netflix uh, release, I think this week or last week. And uh, we interviewed, we reviewed, Michael, uh, Inside Job season one many, 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 many moons ago. Uh, almost last year, certainly, Michael. Even, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's starring Christian Slater and Lizzie Kaplan and a few kind of wacky characters here and there and it's all about um the notion that there is in fact a shadow government that runs the world um this doesn't ring any bells yeah it's a fu- it's a funky little cartoon michael it, in the style of of uh, richard and mortimer i suppose mm. um and it's filled with um you know sci-fi tropes and conspiracy tropes and it takes a crack at america and stuff like that and season two dropped in the last two weeks anyway. And uh, we were able to, to give it a watch, Michael. Go on, um, tell me about it. And I, I worked my I worked my whole way through it, Michael. And a uh, lot, lot of bad season two as far as things go. Uh, part one got 10 episodes. Season one, part one got 10 episodes. And season two, part two uh, only got the eight. But it was a tight eight, Michael. Um, oh, we love that. We love a tight One eight. or two big old dud filler episodes. Um, like this. Which is a shame. Not unlike this episode yeah. of the podcast, Michael. Yeah. Um, could uh, who could take take that? Mm. Um, as as though as a uh, Marcus Aurelius once said, you know, uh, they can't all be winners, as he said. Did he say that? Yeah, that was his. That was his thing. They can't all be winners. And the other famous adage that he kind of put out there was that showbiz kid. That um, showbiz, yeah, yeah. The show yeah. must go on. He, I believe, he also said. Uh, he also said that one, and then the the other massively famous one. Uh, was look, it ain't over till it's over. Uh, you play till the curtain. That was that was yeah, another he said that. Yeah, yeah. real real one for him. Yeah. Um, anyway, he said, "Here's looking at you, kid. That's Casablanca." Yeah, <laughs> he's looking at you, kid. That's Casablanca. Most importantly, Michael is he actually wrote the words "That's Casablanca." That's Casablanca. Um, yeah, yeah, that was part <laughs> of what he said. What are you doing? <laughs> So, season two came out, Michael. Um, there's one or two dud episodes in there. Um, the cast of characters that were given is um, there is, of course, uh, Lizzie Kaplan's character, uh, Reagan, who uh, is the the kind of genius scientist element of the shadow government of the United States, uh, um, and she lives under the shadow of her awful yeah. father who's managed to get his job back at the top the father is kind of a, a, a Richard of Richard and Mortimer oh very good okay and uh, he's an alcoholic and an asshat and uh, a real pain in the butt and he tricked Reagan out of her job promotion in season one and took over the big the big job oh and who's playing him um, that is Christian Slater oh I'd love to see Christian F- Slater um, fight James Spader um, that'd be good um, I think he'd win yeah, I, I think, think he's. Yeah, I think he's got a bit. He's got the physicality over Spader. Hey, but I think I think Christian Slater's a bit nuts. Mm. I feel like if you let Christian Slater just go and told him there's no consequences this time, mm. he'd probably he'd probably sort it out, Michael. You reckon? Um, Do you reckon he's he a tire iron? I tell you what, he has he has two. 
Um, <laughs> and one one in his hand and one not what you'd expect. Oh, no, it's up to his bum. Benjamin. He, he clenches one between his cheeks and he swings it around like a tail. You've written Adam Scott here. Is he in it? Uh, What's he doing? Scott's in this season. He's, he, What's he, he doing? He pops up in this season, Michael. Um, and uh, he is in a very, he is, he is Reagan's foil from a rival organization called the Illuminati, which is run by Queen Bay, Jay-Z, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, oh, and uh, Henry Kissinger. <laughs> Oh, people. very good. Um, so he hates the organization as well. So while Reagan is trying to take down her father on one side, um, he is trying to take down his organization on another because he morally disagrees with them, Michael. Um, and, uh, of course, don't sparks fly when they meet, Michael? Oh, um, sparks are flying. And that's how it okay. works. Now, there's a, there's a lot of cool kind of Easter eggs in this for people who are into American comedy or have been paying attention to American comedy. Um, for the last couple of years, we last saw Adam Scott on this podcast, Michael, in the absolutely excellent Severance. Severance, Severance. week week ending though. Um, week ending though, but still it did have a weekend. Severance, uh, still an excellent show for most Very of its good. innings. Mm. Um, and we got that. But uh, this is an interesting thing because Lizzie Kaplan and Adam Scott have worked before on a very popular. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to type this in now because I've forgotten what it is even though I've watched the entire thing twice web series uh, no a very very popular um, TV series that's kind of become a cult classic if you will oh that one um, about those people living in an apartment together yeah, new girls <laughs> uh, I think friends I thought we were making one of two massive series there for our own benefit um, no the- it was Seinfeld no, it's not Seinfeld. Seinfeld is, again, quite famous. Mad About You with Paul Reiser. That is actually probably a cult classic in one form or another. Uh, it is... Oh, what was it called? This is so Can't annoying. Hardly Wait. Can't and Hurry Love. It's not that. Party Down, Michael. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, I knew you were. Um, and Party Down was kind of a cult classic, Michael, where it was all about a catering team going to different events in the United States and their shenanigans. And a nice little throwback to that, Michael, is in the very first episode, they sneak into a, an Illuminati, a kind of a world kegger party for all secret organizations dressed as waitstaff. And they have casual oh, conversations as waitstaff. Very, very good. clever. Very, very clever. Good. It's very good, Michael. I'll tell you what, um, Benjamin, speaking of, um, the, are, you, are you done talking about that? Oh, go on, you can let it go. Yeah. No, no, it's it's a, this is an apropos of nothing, but uh, I don't want to cut across you if, if you still no, have no, you more to say ahead. about it. You go anyway, ahead. You speaking like... of the world of Rick and Morty, I accidentally watched some of, oh God, I don't even know what it's called, Senior Year, I think it's called. Well, what's Senior Year? Senior Year is an absolutely abysmal comedy film starring your favourite and mine, Rebel Wilson. Whoa. Where, where she plays a girl who gets into a coma when she's 16 and wakes up at 37 and goes back to finish high school. She shouldn't do that. that. That has several implications. <laughs> it's very weird. And she's Australian and it's in America and it doesn't make any sense. Does she still but have I, an Australian accent? She, yeah, she 100% has. It's, she just does a big Rebel Wilson. That's how she does it. Are we supposed to like Rebel Wilson now? I don't know if we were ever supposed some, to like Rebel I don't know. Was there about. something about her having a hard time or something? Was it? Yeah, I think she was bullied or something. I don't know. Was she bullied or something? Oh, that's um, not good. In a professional context. Well, well yeah, I know fine. you're against that, but she's still shite, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Ben's not a big fan of Rebel Wilson. That's neither here nor there, Ben. That, I don't for... think many people are. I don't think, I don't think I've don't think i ever met someone who said, oh, I love and stuff. 
Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson. People like Rebel Wilson and stuff, Ben, because they keep making Rebel Wilson stuff. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not Venn diagramming with your circles, but there are definitely Rebel Wilson fans out there. Not unless they're racist, homophobic, slurry heads, Um, Michael. You'll very rarely find a a Venn diagram overlap unless the the circles I hang in on the internet are fucking awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think your mate Elon Musk is watching the new Rebel Wilson movie senior year. No, people are giving my mate Elon Musk quite a difficult time, Michael, um, (laughs) over some excellent business decisions he's making, and I really can't understand it. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not paid to understand Elon Musk's business decisions, are you, Ben? Well, not really, but, you know, he is my mate Elon Musk. Your um, mate Elon Musk, yeah, and he's not taking any advice from you. I do feel, no, well, I do feel he's, he's he's given me the inside track, you know, he says, he said to me the other day, he said, uh, look, Ben, it's going to make sense. He said, look, Ben, it's going to make sense. Um, it's because I'm a genius and the rest of you have a difficult time understanding. And I just said, oh, okay, um, it must be that then. Um, Benjamin, I've for- paid this Elon Musk situation no heed whatsoever. I, I'm mm-hmm. not on Twitter, so I don't care. It's very interesting. Is it? It's it's a fucking fascinating, Michael. It is a rapid descent uh, to the bottom for Elon Musk. I don't understand it. Um and I think one of my favorite things about it, Michael, is is the the discourse around it from Elon stands and Elon haters alike. Um, you know, a lot of the stands at this point, it, at this point, Michael, looking at what's happened, you cannot look at this any other way than to say this is fucked. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 a bad situation, right? It's a series of bad decisions that have led to the collapse of what was yeah. a very successful social media company. Yeah, but Ben, I will shed no tear for the collapse of any social media company, to be honest. Oh, and I think, you know, interestingly, Michael, I think in the next five years, you're going to see the collapse of a lot of social media companies. Um, Instagram is going down the tubes. Twitter's on its way out. Um, But Michael, it comes back to what I've been saying to you, buddy. We've got to get on TikTok. Ben, TikTok will go next. It's all secure. not going anywhere. Oh, well, I'm glad you said that. That's very clippable. It will age like milk. Um, <laughs> that's going to that's gonna age like milk, Benjamin. Hello, I'm a 30-something-year-old man. Instagram is going down the tubes. TikTok is going nowhere. Benjamin, I said the same thing about MySpace 15 years ago. So <laughs> That was where your first podcast was. It was yeah, Nick's yeah. podcast. It was, was actually on Bebo. Benjamin, <laughs> shut up. The reason I'm talk the, the reason I'm talking about bloody senior year is guess who's in it? Speaking of Rick and Morty, Chris Parnell is in it as her dad. Why? And no, he's great. I love Chris Parnell and things because he's Jerry. He's just anytime he does a dad, he's Jerry. Jerry is very little voice acting for Chris Parnell. It's just Chris Parnell. He's just doing a big Chris Parnell. Anyway, Benjamin, I tell you what. As as you can see from this week, we've had a bit of time because there's not much going on in big pop culture news. There certainly isn't. Not much. So uh, both of us, noticed. Benjamin, <laughs> you may have noticed, both of us, due to our good friend, Dr. Stephen J. Cadwell, the J stands for Jones, I believe, um, yes. we've, got, we've gotten a little bit into Dungeons and Dragons over the last couple of weeks. We have. We're, we're neck deep in D&D. Neck right up to our beards, Ben, in D&D over the last Very couple sticky. Of- it's not great. Over the last couple of weeks. We're having a great old time. We are. And Benjamin, because we're having such a great old time, I've uh, immersed myself a little bit more into the world of D&D fiction. One would call it a hyperfixation bordering on obsession, Michael. But yes, immerse yourself a little bit more is fine. That's the way I'm going to put it. That's the way I'm going to put it, Benjamin. Yeah. And uh, Benjamin, I tell you what, 
there is plenty of Dungeons and Dragons and general role playing content on the internet if you go looking for it. <laughs> or if you don't, it's quite popular, Michael. It's just there all the time. Chris Pine's in a movie with it now. Is that out? No, it's not out yet. Should <laughs> it's it been be delayed. Out? Yeah, it should oh, be. Oh, it's out. been delayed. Okay. It's been delayed. Um, I'll tell you what I've watched, though, Benjamin. I have watched a TV animated series, which you tell me we've reviewed before. And I I most certainly didn't watch it or listen to you reviewing it, because I have That's no That's because memory you don't it. listen to me. <laughs> yeah, no, what's, what was that you said there? Boys you said you're, you're great. Thanks. I've said. watched The Legend of Vox Machina season one, Ben. And I tell you what, it's probably the favourite thing that I've watched this year. This year, Michael? It's great crack. Get out of here. It is great crack. It is It is a rip-romping swashbuckler, Michael. Yeah, I said to my good lady friend, do you want to watch a couple of episodes of this rip-romping, which isn't a word, but uh, this rip-romping swashbuckler? We're, we're worried said, about making up the correct words now, are we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she actually said to me, are you quoting Marcus Aurelius? And I said, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, yeah. Let's, let's um, watch this rip-romping swashbuckler, I said. That's one of and his then, three main tenets. It's, uh, if, it's a rip, uh, if it's a rip-romping swashbuckler, you must watch it. Yeah. Um, so I tell you what, I watched uh, The Legend of Vox Machina, Ben. It's, uh, by, by gosh, is it salty. By gosh, by golly. Nom, 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 nom. You could everybody's lick that salt up off stones. Everybody's effing and jeffing the whole time and getting crushed the by big boulders. Time. and People, there's boobies in it, Ben. There's nudity. There's people That's getting hard. squashed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, great stuff. But also, it's very funny and enjoyable. Yeah, um, it's a it's a great old show, Michael. It's what happens. It comes from the very, 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 very popular D and D podcast, Critical Role, Michael, as you know yourself. Yes, as um, I know now myself. As you know now, and um, yeah, it, it's based off one of their early campaigns. Um, and Vox Machina was the the name of the gang in in that the party in that particular thing. Um, and it's what happens when you get a bunch of professional voice actors together, Michael. Good times, Benjamin. Great stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Um, who's your favourite character? I like Grog. You would. Uh, you're, yeah. very, you're very Grog-esque my, my, yourself. My favourite, thank you. My favourite characters are Grog and Scanlan, Ben. Yeah, Scanlan was easily, by far, Michael, the best character of that entire show. Very good stuff, Benjamin. He's a humorous little bard and he's always little trying bard. to get into, into people's trousers. Very good, very funny stuff. And also, Benjamin, then, because I watched that and enjoyed it so much, I watched a little bit of um, of Critical Role, the voice actors playing popular. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. yeah I know I'm very late to the party on this but what very. a weird what a weird form of entertainment that is um, yes to watch other people imagining for you yeah incredible stuff it's kind of like it, it harkens back in, in a way to the radio plays of the olden days absolutely that's, that's but exactly without a script into. Without, without a script at all they have to improvise and I think that's what makes it entertaining for people you know Um it, that spawned a whole genre, Michael. Um, College Humor has its own version of that, um, which is Dimension 20. Go on. Um, and that's Brandon Lee Mulligan and his gang doing comedic D&D uh, campaigns. Um, right, right, right. And those are also very good. If you want a masterclass in how to DM something, check out, first of all, Stephen Cadwell. Wink. Oh, You're welcome. Good You're welcome, yeah, Dr. Good Jones. Um, uh, but also, uh, you should check out Dimension 20. It's f- fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. Benjamin, one of the worst things about it is, and you could probably say this about podcasts too, is everyone thinks it looks easy and says, let's have a go. Let's have a go. And it spawns <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff, Michael, that's not yeah, very ho- good. Half of the internet is uh, is people trying to do critical role. 
Yeah, and it's not great. I have found a few decent ones, Michael. One of the ones that's very, very good is Dungeons and Daddies, um, which is a, a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not what you think it is. Um, it does sound like that. Yeah, um, it sounds very leather wary, Ben. But it, it, it isn't. Um, in this particular case, it's about um, the campaign was born of um, four actual fathers from our world who find themselves oh. transported to forgotten realms and oh. have to find their kids. It's quite funny. And do they have tearaway clothes with leather harnesses on underneath? No, that's just for you. <laughs> that's just okay. you. Well, that's that sounds less you. interesting than... In Magic Mike, The Last Dance. Magic Mike's The Last Leather Daddy. Benjamin! Yes. I'll tell you what, speaking of random nonsense I've watched this week, I felt it was our duty, Ben. Nay, our responsibility. After the v- v- the vicious mocking that we gave it. To watch the Netflix film. I don't even know if it was Netflix. I think it was. The School of Good... The School of or for Good and or Evil, Benjamin. Very good. Tell Tell me what. Absolute mad shit, Benjamin. How... It's... It's just a Netflix film. Like, it's a Netflix film. There are millions of these on Netflix. About young girls and young boys living up to their some sort of heroic destiny of some sort in some sort yeah. of school Harry Potter has a lot to answer for chosen one schlock Michael yeah exactly Benjamin it's all just classic chosen one you were supposed to be the chosen one you were supposed to be the chosen one who was it who said that Benjamin it's Obi-Wan oh, Kenobi uh, Benjamin I was setting you up there I was hoping you might say Marcus Aurelius oh um, fuck <laughs> you've forgotten the bit Ben I've forgotten the bit. I'm going to hang my head in shame. You hang your head in bit-forgetting shame. Benjamin, as Marcus Aurelius said, if you forget that next bit, I'm going to fucking hit you with this tire iron. Benjamin, um, what am I talking about? Chosen One. Yeah, so it's just standard Chosen One dross, Benjamin, about teen girls going to a school. The world, the real world that they live in is utterly fascinating. Forget about the school for good and evil for a minute. Go on. The real world that they live in, it starts in like medieval times. What? And I'm looking at it going, I thought this was set in the modern world. Yeah, it was very it's, modern. It's set in medieval times, but they are the two most incredibly modern American young ones. What? Um, yeah, it's bizarre. Like <laughs> It's like they go to high school and get bullied, but in medieval times. That's not how the medieval times work. <laughs> it's so weird, Ben. And like the, the school bus, the yellow school bus is like a cart. It's some weird shit. But then they go into a town and the town looks like the 20s. Like maybe late Victorian at the... it. Not a lot of thought has been put into the setting, Ben, is what I'm trying to say. Just smashed it all together by the sounds of things. Yeah, but the really, the, the real incredible thing, and the reason that this even got onto our radar, was somehow attracting a huge name director, and I guess then he attracted the big name cast. Who, who is the director? Paul Feig. Get out of here! <laughs> yeah, yeah. He must be having so, a very hard time after Ghostbusters. Not yeah, very I think, good. I think this is his penance for Ghostbusters is not very good, is it? This new Ghostbusters that was. This new know. Ghostbusters not bloody great. No, this is not a new Ghostbusters. Nobody really particularly. Not because liked it. it's women. No. Just not because it's good. Yeah, probably because there was too much improvisation, Ben, which befalls not only bad Ghostbusters films, but sometimes podcasts where people are filling. Improvisation, great for a and d Let's Play. Yeah. Not so for a blockbuster for a film. Marcus oh, yeah, Aurelius. <laughs> um, <laughs> you brought it back 
<laughs> I'm giving you a little clap because you brought it back. You got it back on track. Um. Anyway, man. Yeah, Paul Feig directed, um, starring two young ones who I've never heard of, both called Sophie. But um, <laughs> and I'll tell you what. Fair play to them. They give it absolute socks, Ben. Oops. They give it socks. They they don't realize the dross they're in. But the really incredible thing about it is the supporting cast of Kerry Washington, Charlie's Theron, Lawrence Fishburne, Michelle Yeoh, Peter Serafinovich. Like, it's a real Hollywood A-list, maybe B-list, um, main or supporting cast. I mean, Michelle all, Yeoh is A-list. All wasted. Charlie's Theron, Ben, is in it. Charlie's Theron is the A-list of the A-list. It's <laughs> even Lawrence Fishburne, Ben. And every last one of them wasted on either just a couple of lines of dialogue or a flat character or... Just some. I don't even know who Ser- Peter Serafinovich played. I didn't spot him. He was probably yeah. the voice of something. He does a lot yeah, of voice work. Was. Yeah, I love. Sp- I love Peter Serafinovich. Benjamin, he's one of the best impersonators of our time, and it's not even his main thing. It's not even his main thing. He just does that casually to yeah. insult people who've made it their entire career. It's like, oh yeah. well, you know, I spent years honing mine. It's like, yeah, so have I. It's like, yeah. what do you do it for? But pleasure. It's just a bit of a laugh. Just a bit of a laugh. That was. Um, his, uh, that was his The Beatles impersonation. Just he also, just, just a bit of a laugh. Um, he also has one of the best um, two seasons of a classic kind of British sketch show that you'll ever see. The Peter Sarovinovich show is fucking hilarious. You can see it Absolutely. all on YouTube. Yeah, great stuff. It went under the radar largely. Completely. It did. He's one of the most open. He was Darth Maul's voice originally. Darth Maul's voice. He's in Shaun of the Dead. He's in Shaun of the Dead as a classic. He's in Bloody Gardens of the Galaxy. Yeah, he gets killed. He gets killed in a great little yeah. scene. He gets killed in most things. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he's he's not, he's he's no he's no full time star, Michael. He's, yeah. he's only doing it for the bands. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. A laugh. But yeah, the School for Good and Evil, Ben, by any standard, not very good. But I I enjoyed it for an hour and a half. Did you? <laughs> of, of stupidity. I didn't, I didn't expect that, Michael, to be the end of this review. Oh, no, it's dumb. It's dumb as all get out, Ben. It's it's like Harry Potter without any of the subtlety. Okay. And like the the swinging alignments okay. between good and evil. And is this about like friendship or is it about boys? And Would you like, say it, that Harry Potter has a, a bit of subtlety about it? Compared to the school for good and evil, absolutely, yes. Excellent. And Benjamin, to quote ourselves and Marcus Reyes, an absolute waste of Michelle Yeoh. She has a scene and a half. I, I, I don't know. Does Paul Feig have something on them? He must. Or they thought it was going to be something much bigger than it turned out to be. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it does end with, but don't worry, there'll definitely be some sequels. And I go, nah. Nah, you're not getting a sequel. Yeah, you're not getting a waste of Charlize Theron, Ben. She's a bad girl, isn't she? She's, no, not really. So maybe maybe you can explain this premise to me now, Michael, because what? I remember when this was announced, you and I were, were there scratching our heads, Michael, and saying, so do the, the goodies and the baddies just ASMR. come? Huh? A little bit of a little bit of head scratching is more lovely. Um, it, but I remember you and I looking at it going, so do the goodies and the baddies just go to school together? Yeah. Um, it, and do they just hang out? And then do they know they're going to be enemies in the future? What's the yeah. deal with that? Yeah, that, yeah, that's it pretty much. Excuse me. Oh, okay. So it's about as... You hit the, the nail on the head. <laughs> okay. So just... It's about that subtle. 
But it's just like, imagine if it was Slytherin versus the other houses and you did away with Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. It's just Slytherin. It's just Slytherin and Gryffindor. um, Gryffindor. Yeah, it's just just that. Now imagine that. Let's take out some of the other background stuff. And uh, all the Slytherins dress evil. And all the the Gryffindors dress good. And come here to Muggle. I'm not going to watch this. So what's the central crux here? One of them turns out to be really evil. No, well, the central crux has been that the the headmaster of the school played... Uh, big spoilers coming. Okay, well, we do big spoilers for a, a movie that very few people are going so, to watch. Yeah, yeah. So there were two twin brothers, Ben, one good and one evil, and they set up the school to keep good and evil in balance. Classic. And at the start of the film, it looks like the good twin kills the evil twin, accident, well, not accidentally, in, de- in self-defense. Right. And then uh, continues the, the school for good and evil. Very good. But later on, Benjamin, it's revealed that it's actually the evil twin and he's taken on the good twin's identity. Oh, no, very evil. Very, very evil thing to do. So the whole point of the school for good and evil and how it's kind of bullshit that the the evil ones dress evil and the good ones dress good, but some of them are arseholes or like being good is just about smiling and riding a white horse and stuff. Mm. He's actually He's actually subtly undermining the world of good and making them all a bit useless and foppish. Good bunch of dandies. Yeah. yeah, but I mean that is not a terrible twist. That could have been good if if that was the point of the movie, but it's not. The What's main the point, point of the movie. Of the movie? It, it's about the two girls coming to terms with is their friendship stronger than one of them being evil and is friendship more important than boys, but then they both get obsessed with this boy and he has a big square head in him, Ben. He's just this big square headed fella. So the answer is no. And <laughs> Friendship is like, not more important. Who's going to kiss the boy? And I turned to my, uh, I turned to my lovely lady friend who was watching this with me and said, "Are they gonna, are they gonna realize they love each other and have a big kiss? And that's going to be the, and that's going to be what ends up saving the day? Because there would be a certain amount of bravery in that." Michael, is it do lesbians save the day? No, they don't. No, they <laughs> chicken oh, out at the end. Sick. Yeah. queer baiting in 2022 yeah, yeah. i mean yeah, really. yeah 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 a little bit if i was a young lesbian i was watching this i would be like oh they absolute bastards i'm not a young lesbian and i'm sitting here going ah the absolute bastards yeah, the absolute bastards i can't believe they queer baited me in with that and then Save the day with a peck on the cheek between friends. God oh, damn it. What use is that to anyone? What use is that to anyone? Marcus Aurelius 2022. Anyway, anyway, that's all I have to say about the school for good and evil. Michael, it's times like these that we find ourselves, you know, at the bottom of an episode and we're, we're facing into the main topic. And I do think to myself, me this would be better if we just wrote an ai and created that and we had a mick ai and a ben ai and they could fill the space we could just i tell you what benjamin just right off into the sunset just right off into the sunset let the ais do everything what triggered this concept in me benjamin is i got an email from notion the other day oh yeah i love notion yeah you love notion it's an organizational tool ben very handy great stuff and i've been added to the notion ai trial ben so have i and benjamin Notion are claiming that they're going to be able to write blog posts for me. I saw that. I I don't know how they're going to do that. That's utterly terrifying. 
Yeah. Well, I think that I think the concept is Ben. Every blog post out there is so boilerplate that it's AI true. could just do it. It's true. An AI yeah. could definitely have written the film "The School for Good and Evil." I think it probably did. I, I think I it think... might have been. Oh, Michael, I watched. Did you watch the Corridor Crew video from last week? Uh, with with um, Spider Boy. Yeah. So I did yeah. This is a fascinating thing. So most of the AI generation that you're seeing today is based on uh, based around technology called stable diffusion. Oh, what's um, that mean? And stable diffusion is overlapping. Uh, it's it's feeding a machine um, tons of input information. Oh, I thought you were going to say human souls. Mm, no, I, I, well, I mean, maybe. Um, maybe. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, but stable diffusion is a it's it's a text to image model, but it's done through building your little AI through massive amounts of input. Um, and what I mean by that is you kind of let it feed on an internet database or or something like that, um, and then essentially what it's doing is it's bashing those images together um, based on averages and principles and composition. Um, so text to speech is is done on the basis of narrowing down what you're looking for in an image and the AI then essentially goes off and looks for that information and puts it together um, and creates the image. Now that becomes even more um, uh, common when you give it a guideline for um, the type of art that you want. So for example, if you were to type in, um, I want, uh, I don't know, um, an astronaut on a horse. Oh, um, okay. And I want it in the style of a Baroque painting and uh, with uh, finishing touches by Norman Rockwell, you know, art style by Norman Rockwell. So if you were to do Benjamin, that, Michael. Yes. Benjamin, I'm just going to suggest that you write that down and do this because that will be a great thumbnail to fit in with the it's Very good. I will, put, I will put that in as a thumbnail to the Very image. good. Have you written it down um, or do you want I'm me to, to write it down? Uh, you write it down there, Michael. What did you say? What, what, what was it you said? An astronaut? <laughs> an astronaut on a horse. An astronaut on a horse. In the style of a Baroque painting. Baroque painting. With finishing touches. Rockwell. By Norman Rockwell. Very good. Astronaut on a horse, Baroque painting, Norman Rockwell finishing touches. If that isn't the thumbnail for this video, just send me a DM and I'll give you Ben's address. <laughs> and you can go and sort him out. Good. Or just contact Keith Duffy on 24 Hour Tires and send him around to Ben's gaff. And he'll sort me out. Um yep. Yeah, so a lot of this is done, Michael, through sheer volume, um, and the AI works out on averages. If you give it a direction, it will focus its database on common Norman Rothwell compositions or Baroque lighting and things like that, and you can narrow it down. Essentially, Michael, what they're doing is um, something that a lot of contact artists have done for a long time, which is called photo bashing. Oh, yeah, go on. Um, and photo bashing was a quick way to design concept art. Uh, for films and what you essentially do is you find a bunch of photographs that mimic what you want and you cut and paste them um in photoshop and push them together Um, a a mood board collage i suppose is what you'd call it michael Um, and what it does is it um that's what they used to do Um, they used to just a lot of people would call that cheating um michael because um what you did was you just 
took cool images from the internet, cut and pasted and, and grabbed the little bits and pieces that you liked from it. And you would create very interesting images, but it was based on photographs. So it wasn't necessarily um, actual art. There was no real drawing or composition involved. You were just taking images, dirting them up in Photoshop and matching them together. Very good. Um, and when that originally came out, Michael, um, lots of concept artists who were traditionalists came out and said, well, th- this isn't concept art. This is bullshit. But unfortunately, photo bashing is a very effective, very fast way of creating concept art. And naturally... Ah, I'm just going to call you out on the use of unfortunately there, Ben. Yeah. You put a value judgment on that. Is it unfortunate or is it great? Well, okay, sorry. The, the, the crux of my argument, Michael, despite my poor choice of vocabulary... Um, is that it, it was unfortunate for people that had spent hours and hours and hours and hours and decades honing their skills because for companies, photo bashing was the ideal way to cre- generate lots of concept art mm. as quickly as possible. And you had a boss logic. Um, and a boss logic. That is essentially photo bashing um, mm. in one form or another. And yeah, boss logic became huge and um, is still huge to this day. But... Here's where it gets interesting, Michael, is now you have an AI that puts all the photo bashers out of business because um, not two weeks ago, Michael, Midjourney, which is currently the most popular stable diffusion engine on the market, released their version four, Michael, and you and I had a fucking field day. Absolutely terrifying, incredible stuff. Um, We used to get, Michael, when we tried this kind of thing for the bants and the lols. Yeah, yeah. we used to get something that approximated kind of a loose digital painting. And anytime mm. you, you zoomed in on it, Michael, you could immediately spot, ah, okay, this is just a series of images that have been stuck together. Smudge, and smudged it together, looks good. Yeah. It looks good, but only from a distance. And then, Michael, we got version fucking four. Terrifying <laughs> stuff. And it's very rendering crisp. like full 3D models. Very crisp. Very um, crisp and terrifying. Very unnerving, Michael. Very mm unnerving um, and it is and I've said it a few times it's going to put a lot of people out of fucking work good, good. Um, a lot it, of bad people we're seeing you know we're, we're essentially in the internet 2.0 Michael and it's it's been said a few thousand times that the internet isn't what it used to be because now it's a very corporate hellscape and, and that kind of thing Michael a lot of it's going to collapse over the next couple of years there's a lot of moving and shaking happening in the internet I'm telling you Absolutely terrifying, Benjamin. Benjamin, how's it going to affect comic book artists? It, sounds, it seems like comic books are something you could very easily make with this. So I think the one thing that's probably going to prohibit this from becoming a dominant thing so far yeah, um, is the fact that it's very hard to be consistent. All right. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, there's been a lot of debate, Michael, um, from internet people about, you know, how it's the skill of input, you know, that'll decide your image. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, this will ruin it. And then other people who are big fans of it are saying, oh, well, you know, it's all to do with how you how you create the prompt. You know, there's a real skill in creating the right prompt. Absolute bollocks, Michael. You could use the same prompt six times and get six completely different sets of images um, with no, you know, no correlation between them at all. No rhyme or reason whatsoever. Uh, No rhyme or reason whatsoever. So it's very random at this point. So it's quite hard to generate a consistent style. Now, if you were, I'm sure to go into Photoshop and do your color grading in Photoshop, you could create a sense of cohesion to those images. There has been one novel thus far published in AI. Um, a using a novel completely... written by an AI? 
not sorry, not a novel, a graphic novel um, that has been oh. drawn by an AI. Um, I'll just look it up here very, very quickly. You look it up there, Ben. Um, the Great Gatsby. So it is not The Great Gatsby. Um, so that first uh, novel was... Uh, I am on the edge of my seat, Ben. So am I. Um, Star Maker. Um, okay. So, yeah, he created... This is based on um, a famous book from 1937 called Star Maker um, by a man... Oh, this is very annoying, Michael. Sorry. Um, great podcasting, Ben. Olaf Stapledon uh, created this book in 1937. And uh, Kevin Hess put his novel through AI and created images to make a graphic novel adaptation. Get out of here, Ben. Yeah. Benjamin, yeah. I'm terrified of that concept. Um, and, I mean, it, it is, roughly speaking... A graphic novel, you know. There's, there's. Get out of here! Look at that graphic novel, Ben. Uh, now he did all the text bubbles and speech bubbles and stuff, but all the images lazy. are very lazy, very lazy AI. Very lazy AI creating a whole world. Um, Benjamin, but, you know, so could, these these are your images. Like, could I take my favorite Warhammer forty thousand books, the Eisenhorn trilogy, and put them into an AI? I mean, you essentially me a, ask me to make it a movie. Uh, so that that's that's where that's where the terrifying corridor video came in this week, Michael. Um, what we saw from the lads over at Corridor Crew, great bunch of lads making Grand very lads. interesting content on the internet. Um, we definitely support them up until one or or all of them are revealed to be bad in some way. Bad in some way, we 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 were hundred percent behind them until then. In which case, oh, we knew all along, and we never trusted them. Yeah, exactly. Marcus Aurelius. Um, Marcus Aurelius. Very good. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, Michael, what I we saw bet this week they're is... using AI generation to make child pornography. Marcus Aurelius, twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Almost yeah. certainly. No, not um, the corridor crew, though. Hopefully. Not the corridor crew. Very important. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Um, not the corridor crew. But what we saw this week, Michael, is one of the one of the lads at the uh, the corridor crew. It took it upon himself to basically create into the Spider-Verse um, yeah. a second uh, it, using regular footage. Um, and, you know, Into the Spider-Verse is a film that took years to complete because of its unique animation style, um, because of a lot of different things. And it's it's widely credited with kind of reinvigorating the animation industry and pushing the envelope quite cool. a bit. Uh, Michael at the time um, but one of the things that really undermined it was as a process was time con- time consuming it was very very <laughs> time, time consuming yeah time <laughs> uh, that would be my second AI image to go with this podcast time cons um, just two dickheads travelling through time fucking shit up <laughs> <laughs> oh no the time cons are here we have to stop man. we can't we can't go down that road that's too much <laughs> Ah, oh, fucking hell, that'd be good. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, time constraints. Yes, um, is that. And um, this guy, Michael, has made a show of it. Now, it's nowhere near the same level of quality as Into the Spider-Verse. But what he's essentially done, Michael, is he t- he scared the internet because Tom Hiddleston wasn't seen in Into the Spider-Verse. And he took it upon himself to render it into the, inter- into the Spider-Verse style. Um, oh, very good. 
And Michael, he does a phenomenal job. So when they initially did, did this, so Stable Diffusion as a concept is actually open source software. So so anyone with the right machine um, you know, and a, a computer with enough RAM and and space can run Stable Diffusion. <laughs> That's very good, Benjamin. I like how you used a couple of computer terms there. So you sent it all fay. No problem. Just um, gave up. No. Yeah. You need you need a nice uh, proper computer uh, yeah, yeah, proper to run computer, stable right. diffusion at any kind of pace. Um, and I'm afraid I don't know all the details to do that well. But uh, you need you need a good computer, Michael, um, to okay. pull that off. And essentially, you can make your own images and you then you can tweak it and you can feed it information that you want specifically. But he has created a way of mapping it over input images. So he can put in a, a wonderful little um, clip of Tom Holland, a, a picture, and the AI will render it out based on the input for Into the Spider-Verse. Um, Very, oh, wow. Yeah, and it looked phenomenal as a still, Michael. But then he took it a step further. So there's a very famous program on uh, the internet called EB Synth. Um, Go and on. You can, I don't know you what can, that is. You can use it for free, Michael. And what you do is you give EB Synth uh, an image, and okay. it will apply the art style of an image to a video clip. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And essentially what he did was um, he created his own custom style of Into the Spider-Verse AI generation and then fed that into <laughs> EP Synth. I've just been shown a beautiful image there, ladies and gentlemen, of um, time cunts in a, in a fun font. <laughs> um, so he did that and um, basically he took it a step further, Michael, by creating his own video files and putting Tom Holland's face over his face in the Into the Spider-Verse style and has created, Michael, what is essentially a very functioning fan video of Into the Spider-Verse. Um, mm. Not quite indistinguishable. Not quite indistinguishable. Absolutely not. You, anyone no, with any kind of... Distinguishable, yeah. Quite distinguishable. But the big thing here, Michael, is he did it in a week. Yeah. He created Terrifying. a he created a two and a half minute video in a week, mm. um, using that style, and that's what's terrifying. Um, this is going to put so many people out of work. Um, it's funny, Ben, because in fiction, yeah, every now and then you do get some fiction where that aspect of AI is um, is held up as something to be frightened of. Yes. But generally not. Go on. Generally in fiction, we get AI that decides, first of all, we don't need artists anymore. But then, actually, you know what? Let's just do away with humans. Bunch of sods. It's a bunch of damp yokes. Get rid of them all. Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius, 2022. <laughs> Benjamin. Um, <clears throat> so AI, yeah, it's... Um, are you Sorry, are you done talking about real world implications? I'm done. I'm, I'm done. You done? Are you sure? I'm Sounds done. like you might have more. No, no, I'm done. Benjamin, I can't think of any. I can't think of any examples of an AI as a kind of development where it's presented kind of like what you've said there, where it's made humanity grim and downtrodden, but not through physical force. I think that would be an interesting concept for a science fiction. I, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm racking my brain here, Michael. Um, trying to think of where that's been used 
and I don't I don't think I have come across it recently. I mean, the closest the closest is maybe Wally. Wally. Yeah, but it's what, not AI yeah. in that that's made humanity soft. It's every humanity. kind of invention. It's yeah. humanity itself. It's exactly. humanity itself. Yeah. But um. Like a, a, a science fiction, I don't know, maybe the listeners. Sometimes the listeners men are more well-read than us, because this might... Uh, I this would might say more often than not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more well-read than us. Yeah. Because they know how to do reading. They, um, yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. Benjamin. Damn fancy people with their big-time yeah. schooling. Damn fancy big-time reading in school. Ben, but yeah. what I'm saying, what I'm getting at is, um, what am I getting at? I oh yeah, I'd love to read a. I'd love to read a science fiction where the future of humanity is realistically, um, realistically expanded out from this concept of AI is going to do away with the arts. Yeah, that'd be creativity. fun. Mm. That'd be fun because usually Benjamin, what we get in TV and movies is AI is here to kill us. I, you know, we've had that concept a few times, Michael. It's it, there's a few classics in the AI oh, sense. It, it, the biggest being Jimmy C and Skynet. Skynet, um, Benjamin. One of everyone's favourite artificial intelligences. Funny about thing about Skynet, though, is... And I think this is this is to its benefit in the early movies and one of the reasons the later movies suffers what? is Skynet is very much a, a Sauron in, in The Lord of the Rings. It's very much an unseen protagonist. Mm-hmm. Antagonist? No, antagonist. Yeah, antagonist. Antagonist, antagonist yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not an AI... Is what I'm saying. I'd, I'm love, not I'd love to watch an. Uh, I'd love to watch a Skynet prequel where he's somehow the the hero. I. But that's the thing. It would be. <clears throat> it would be so beyond human comprehension, and boring, that it wouldn't be worth watching. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Like how did how did Skynet come to these conclusions? Oh, we'll never know. Yeah. Um. It, it's a, it's a it's in the the reasoning process is completely invisible to us mm. it's just like so oh, I, humanity bad yeah i always felt that the later it's one of the one of the reasons that the later terminator films were weaker and you know one of the reasons mad casting and terrible plots and weird acting are yeah. also part of the reasons There's a lot one of, of the reasons one of the reasons was trying to make skynet a character <laughs> yeah that's fair it's it's like ai as a thing is incomprehensible to us um yeah and you know there it's it really says a lot of kind of humanity's understanding of how ai would pan out in the olden days that ai is almost always presented as some sort of independent thinking essentially a human an evil human in a box yes that's all it is and 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 Skynet isn't that because we don't see Skynet. We don't even really interact with Skynet. We interact in the Terminator movies with Skynet, a tiny number of Skynet's massive number of agents, and that makes Skynet itself a little bit more inscrutable and interesting. Yeah, it's in it's, like, it's ineffable. I'm not I'm not arguing with the the greatness of the creation of Hal. Then ah, oh, I can't do that. I can't let you do that, David. Yes. Is he called him Dave? He calls him Dave, doesn't he? It's Dave. I yeah. can't I can't let you do that, Dave. Um Hal is a great creation. Yes. And the one thing to bear in mind about Hal Ben from Stanley Kubrick's not two thousand and one A Space Odyssey is it came out in nineteen sixty eight, Benjamin. Nineteen sixty eight, Michael. That's basically a century ago. 
That is so long ago, Ben. I was reading articles in preparation for this and I read an article by, let's say, BuzzFeed. It might not have been Buzz, BuzzFeed, but fuck them anyway. But I read an article saying it's a great representation of what humanity in the 80s thought AI would look like. It's like, yeah. oh, some 23-year-old has written that, Benjamin, and thinks that there's no difference between 1968 and the 80s. It's the same. This is the, the same, same thing. Doesn't matter. But that really, truly matters. Because Hal was created in the kind of infancy of the concept of computers. Yeah. When we didn't have any idea. Yeah. An incredible leap of imagination to come up with Hal. Um, but Hal very much is just a kind of like... Ben, have you ever read... Um, have you ever read Terry Pratchett's Discworld series? Yes. Nearly every single piece of machinery in the Discworld series that has some sort of um, abstract function ends up being a little homunculus in a box. It's a little imp in a box. A little imp or homunculus or goblin or something in a box. And Hal, for and I'm really not disparaging Hal, because remember, this, Hal was created in the infancy of computing, Ben. Yeah. But Hal really is just uh, a, a slightly malicious... Dick Man in a box. In a box. Yeah. <laughs> He's a dick in a box. <laughs> yeah. Round of applause, man. Round of applause for where you managed to take um, that. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a dick in a box. He's a um, dick in a box. Um, and that's not where AI looks like it's actually end up going to go. I think this is such an interesting case, Michael, of, you know, we always, we, the big dystopias are always the one that we pay attention to. You know, we we have two two dystopias that get compared to a lot are Brave New World and 1984. Those are two titans of, of dystopian novels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, people yeah. have a tendency to lean on 1984 as, you know, oh, the evil society that intentionally confuses and addles people and, you know, new speak and it wants to break you down it wants to wear you down big brother's watching you all the time you know this is what happens brave new world is altogether more sinister michael it's just a placatory society where everyone is kept thrumming along gently through ai um, not necessarily through ai at all um but through technology new technology mm -hmm. makes humans complacent it's the wally -E argument again um michael the 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 easier we have it the softer we get um mm. And in the Brave New World world, um, everyone has a function, everyone has a place. Um, you know, the baser instincts of humanity, the carnal instincts of humanity have been largely replaced by production line humans and embryos. And we know exactly what's going to happen and everything runs, you know, tip top ship shape um, in that society. And that's the hellscape that's painted for us. It is looking like AI is probably going to assume that role Um in our society for the next couple of decades, by which I mean, it's just going to make certain jobs not necessarily obsolete, but yeah, easier. Obsolete. Um, yeah, but Ben, I, I, I'm not a big believer in the whole it's making this job obsolete because that is a function of everything throughout human history. Anytime some great leap forward in human history has come along, someone has said, but what about our jobs? Yeah, that's true. And, now it's going to hit the arts for the first time, but not even for the first time. Like bookbinders gave out when, not bookbinders, scribes presumably gave yeah. out when the printing press came along. And chalkboard manufacturers gave out when people invented pens. It's like, who yeah. cares? Um, but who cares, Benjamin? But, Michael, but that's a arts? much. 
the great the, human uh, yeah, pursuit the, of the art. Yeah, the arts are much more important than all the other jobs that have been lost throughout through technological yes, advancement. Yes, the art, Benjamin. It's Michael. It's a much scarier future than Skynet turning into Matt Smith and making himself out of nanobots and trying to come and kill you personally. Oh. There's some great yeah, dick-in-a-box AIs, though, Ben. Go on. It would be remiss of us not to mention Shodan. Uh, from? From the great video game series Future Shock and System Shock. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, one of the one of the absolute greats, Benjamin, about uh, an AI, a rogue AI on a space station. Yeah, that goes. I'm getting rid of all the humans because I'm a dick in the box. Um, but very good, very uh, very formative, Ben. Very scary and spooky. I think I think video games are are, are an untapped kind of uh, gem for that kind of thing because the the one I always remember um, is the AI from Portal. Um, <laughs> Glados. Glados. She's just a dick. Um, she's the worst. That's, that's it. Um, she's just the worst. She's just mm. a dose. Um, and it's quite funny to come across that. Like that's played with quite a bit. Um, what other dick in a box AIs have we got? Oh, but, I mean, like you get them in basically any science fiction that goes along for long enough, eventually ends up developing a some sort of some rogue kind of AI dick faction. AI. Yeah. Mass Effect, Ben, one of our favourites, has the Geth. Oh, yes, the Geth. You'll remember the Geth. They were a rogue AI, Benjamin, who were easily swayed to the side of getting rid of all the living organisms. Too easily, if you ask me, like they were waiting for it, Milo. They were in many ways, Benjamin. But look, if you're a good shepherd, you can bring them back on side. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's why he was called Shepherd, probably. Probably, yeah. They weren't great for the the subtle analogies. No. It was like the school for good and evil up in space. Up in space. Up in fucking space, man. No, there's loads of... But there's loads of those dick in the... I I think... uh, And a lot of them do come from video games, Benjamin. Not Mass Effect. Halo's Cortana turns evil at one stage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You could pro- we could probably do a whole episode, Benjamin, on, on AIs that were built to be helpful and turned evil. Oh, the the L the L. Oh, I had such good intentions for you. Um, yeah, yeah, that uh, would Ultron. be Ultron. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ultron, Ben. He's like, yeah, we need to build a suit of armor around the world. Marcus Aurelius, twenty twenty two. Aurelius, twenty twenty two. Ladies and gentlemen, who do you think, or where do you think AI is going? Would you rather listen to this podcast if it was AI generated? I would. Um, I would too. But yeah, let us know what you think. You can get in touch with us in a few different places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabeug.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. Very good. Um, you may have noticed, ladies and gentlemen, a, a slight change in quality there. Mick had to pop out to the loo. So we've just uh, activated Mickey, um, which is Mick AI. Um and he'll be doing I am very happy to be here. Ben, I am going to make a disparaging remark about you. Yes, I'm already hurt. Already hurt. You can also find us on Instagram. For how for how much longer, we don't know. Um, it's <laughs> Sherlock Listen Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter. We might be gone by tomorrow. Everyone might be. We don't know. Um, and that's at Listenshur. Now, we will be staying on Twitter. I am programmed. The first rule of AI, Mick, is I cannot disparage Twitter. Yes, uh, we did have to outsource to Elon Musk to get this. Uh, my mate Elon Musk made us an AI. Um, All hail your mate Elon Musk. Blessed <laughs> to be his name. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the other best way to get in touch with us is to hop up on that Discord where you can find definitely real human interaction and not two bots that have been trained to make comments that we would likely make. 
Ha ha ha, Kant responds 27. <laughs> Very good, ladies and gentlemen. That's it from us. Bye-bye. See you next week, Fleshbags. It was the best bit of the whole episode.